Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back. It is the Vikings and San Francisco 49ers today, and there's always some good local connection stories throughout the NFL. And Pete, you'll appreciate this one because Brent Schaub has paid his produce and made it uh, in, in scaled heights that most will never scale. He was, uh, mm. he was a part of the St. Cloud Rocks under the tutelage of Joel Sutherland, one of the great entrepreneurs that started that league and uh, is now the chief revenue officer for the San Francisco 49ers. And I might add, Pete, for the second straight week, just by pure chance, last week we had Joel Weens on, uh, who started mm-hmm. WSI. Uh, and he, both of these two gentlemen hail from Wyndham, Minnesota. Purely yeah, coincidence. Lee. Brent, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Mike. Definitely appreciate it. No, I never forget my roots in Wyndham, Minnesota, certainly. Yeah, it's just it's just ironic. What's it like to be the chief financial or chief revenue officer for the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, you know, it's been a blast. Uh, I've got a great group, um, great leadership, great ownership here with the 49ers and Levi Stadium. Uh, actually, another Minnesota connection, uh, Ethan Kasson, uh, who's now the CEO of the sure. Timberwolves, uh, was one of the individuals that brought me out here. He was our chief operating officer at the time. So, uh, I've been out here in the Bay Area for uh, over a decade now. My wife's family's from here, so uh, no doubt that Minnesota uh, is still certainly home, but building a new home out here in uh, in California. Well, I, I, what's really impressive for me, Max, is I'm looking at, uh, you know, I was looking at a few things about Brent, and it says he's uh, named one of the 40 under 40 list in Silicon Valley. Do you know what that means, Maxie? I mean, <laughs> I, I know what Silicon Valley means. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, and the fact that you're on that list, Brent, that says a lot about what you've been able to accomplish and how impressed you, uh, you put a great impression upon many, obviously. Could you have ever imagined where you are now when you're, you know, from, from a smaller part of Minnesota, you go up the St. Cloud State, uh, what were you, what was your major? What were, how did you get to where you are? Because I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there who would love to be in your shoes someday. So how, how did you get there? Yeah, no doubt. Definitely very fortunate. Had a great, had a great family uh, growing up in Wyndham, played baseball, basketball, and football. I uh, got really hooked on sports in the 87 and 91 World Series. Uh, still a hardcore Twins fan to this day. And really got uh, got connected in with Joel uh, Sutherland, who you guys mentioned, with the Northwoods League, um, and worked for the St. Cloud Rocks. Uh, they were the River Bats at the time. Uh, and really got my, my hands dirty on the business side um, and started to understand that background. I, I tried out for the St. Cloud State uh, baseball team 
and uh, gave up a home run that still hasn't landed. So my uh, <laughs> baseball career was, was ended very quickly in tryouts uh, there. Um, but, yeah, Joel kind of showed me the ropes. Um, and from there, just had great mentors all the way through uh, my career with uh, in Major League Baseball, the NBA, and now the NFL. Yeah, Joel, Joel mentored a lot of people there that came and went through there and did a lot of great things uh, uh, since then, to be sure. Now, people that aren't familiar with, uh, you, you, you think you're going to watch San Francisco, 49ers play in San Francisco. You land in San Jose, and it's about 10 minutes from the San Jose airport, and to Pete's previous point, not far from Silicon Valley. Uh, what does that do for you in terms of proximity of, if you're, if you're you know, in marketing and revenue, does Silicon Valley pay, play a huge dividend to the 49ers, or are they so national in scope that you're just another team to them? Yeah, it's a great question. So the only team that was really in Silicon Valley prior to us coming down were the uh, San Jose uh, Sharks uh, NHL team. And the interesting thing is the major fan bases for the 49ers, the Giants, the Warriors, the Sharks, ourselves, et cetera, really came from Santa Clara County, uh, which is the heart of Silicon Valley and where the majority of the folks in technology and in Silicon Valley work uh, and live. So for us, we actually moved a little bit more central to our, to our fan base. Um, with, our, with this being our 75th anniversary, obviously our roots are in San Francisco and it's about a 40-minute uh, a drive or so on a Sunday, so we're still relatively close um, to the city, ultimately. You know, Maxie, uh, when I was a kid, born born in San Francisco, we actually had a house up on the hill in Twin Peaks that used to look oh, down nice. into, the, into Keysar Stadium. Yeah, nice. <laughs> a lot of people nice. don't. A lot of people aren't old enough to know that, Brent. You're one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a but that's a beautiful facility. It's still there today. They play high school football there. Wow! Yeah, that's it's awesome. But with with Levi Stadium, and I know you have so many different roles in the position you are as the chief revenue officer. But how how busy? Like how how often does does the stadium used? Obviously, we know it's for the 49ers, but it seems like that is a great stadium for a lot of other events. Is it something where you guys are are oftentimes having something going on, some event going on, on a pretty consistent basis out of Levi Stadium? Yeah, we are, and to hit back in your Silicon Valley comment, so uh, we're essentially a mid-sized convention center for all these technology companies. So, you know, you have Netflix, Intel, Google, Yahoo, et cetera, that are all headquartered right around the corner from us, pretty much throw a football uh, to all their HQs. So we host a ton of private events, over 100 every year. Uh, we actually just had the FIFA delegation in. Uh, we're working on a World Cup bid currently. We hosted Super Bowl 50. Uh, CFP, national championship game, et cetera. So our goal here is really to host some of the biggest events in the world. Um, on the public event side, concerts as well uh, have gone through here from Beyonce to country shows, to Grateful Dead, you name it. Um, but ultimately, we have about 20 events a year uh, on a large scale and then about 100 smaller events a year. Brent Schob is our guest, Chief Revenue Officer for the San Francisco 49ers. Grew up in Wyndham, Minnesota, and of course the Vikings, the 49ers today. The last game that I traveled with to cover the Vikings was the San Francisco 49er playoff loss a couple of years ago, Brent. And, and I, I, it was the first time that I had been uh, to Levi Stadium, and I was, um, I was, I don't want to say shocked, but I couldn't believe how they get after it in terms of tailgating and, and the uh, uh, inside the stadium. Uh, you know, Joe Montana was there that day, and I remember running into Brent Hedekin and Christy Yamaguchi. I mean, it was packed, and it was loud, and it was home field advantage. I assume it'll be much the same today. I'm sure that it's not just because of the playoffs, but uh, it seems like your, your fan base is it, it's much more 
uh, fervent than I, I even anticipated, it, and it's loud. It, 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 will that be a factor today, and it, it, is that a part of marketing, or is that just something that grew organically uh, after the stadium w- was built and people followed you from San Francisco? Yeah, we're definitely expecting one of our biggest crowds uh, we've ever had at Levi Stadium. I know there'll, there'll be some purple and gold. I have some buddies from Wyndham, uh, Minnesota, that made the truck out here. So I'll make sure they're in the top row yeah. um, of the stadium, you know. But, uh, I got your tickets all right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, we, we expect a full a full pack crowd, um, juiced-up crowd. Uh, I was actually, when I drove in this morning, our parking lots, our tailgate lots weren't open yet, but uh, our fans were tailgating in their trucks. Uh, waiting in line to get into the tailgate lot. So it should be a rowdy one today. Hey, Brent, uh, real quick. Oh, by the way, one more, one more thing that connects you and I pretty well together. I, I did college football. I did color commentary for St. Cloud State for a number of years when I got out of football. Back. By the way, one, one more thing that connects you and I pretty well together. I, I did college football. I did color commentary for St. Cloud State for a number of years when I got out of football back in the early 90s. So that's a, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're tied that way, too. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what, where are we going in terms of salary cap? I'm curious because, uh, you know, there's a lot of sports that are struggling a little bit and fan bases and all the rest of the different storylines that go out there. And obviously uh, that is a huge piece of the puzzle as teams have to stay within that salary cap. Are we going even higher with the salary cap uh, going forward? Do you, do you see that getting much bigger? Yeah, it, it certainly is. And as you guys know, the competitive balance in the NFL and how they set up this hard salary cap is, is incredible. Like literally today, who knows who's going to win? Um, the teams are so close every single week and every week it's a, it's a coin toss, I feel like. So the NFL has done a great job with their new media uh, partnerships. So it really is tied to the media and the revenue that the, the league at the NFL league office pulls together. And based on those new deals, the salary cap is going to increase. Uh, moving forward here as well. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, la- last question for you, Brent, we'll let you go. Obviously, we hear uh, COVID and we hear, you know, uh, South Africa and new variant and all those things. And like I said, last time I was in, uh, at your stadium, it was it was like we're just starting to hear about it. And then about a month later, of course, everything changed. How much does the NFL watch that? How much do you uh, fear that? Where does that what role does that play in, you know, in, in, in the behemoth that is the NFL going forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly certainly important for everybody. Um, I mean, all of us took a backseat to COVID. I mean, we were the largest vaccination site in the state of California, uh, Levi Stadium was. So we vaccinated over uh, 300,000 individuals uh, last year as we went through COVID. So we're keeping a close eye on it. There's a chief medical officer at the NFL. We all have delega- uh, delegations on our end in terms of a uh, COVID committee um, that we have here in the Bay Area that we're monitoring and watching this. But certainly health health is first and foremost for everybody. Uh, the one thing that I do love about football is that it really brings the community together. So I think folks, you know, we're an outdoor stadium. Folks have been uh, knocking on our door to come back to games, and we're taking the appropriate protocols. And, and knock on wood, everything's been uh, smooth sailing so far. Well, Brent, congratulations on your great career out there. And, uh uh, Joel Sutherland said he could tell a mile away you were going to be a good one. I don't even know if he knew you'd race, rise to those heights, but it's. Uh, uh, I think he had a pretty good idea of uh, of what he was talking about. So thank you so much for giving us some time, and uh, we'll be watching for you. Now be careful who you cheer for today. <laughs> hey, great, great being on. Uh, good luck to the Vikings every week except this one. Understood. Except understood. This one. Except this one. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> to the- Bye.
Top of the food chain with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. God, Always fun to catch up with kids that grew up here and, and do something good, Pete. It's impressive. It, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, think of that role that he's got right now, Max. He, it, oh. it, it's it's an incredible role with one of the franchise, you know, the greatest franchises in history of the NFL. And and here's a Minnesota guy who's underneath under forty years old, who's who's really kind of running the show when you're talking about the financial side of things. Absolutely. Yeah, and he did it. He did it the hard way, right? He did it on his own. It wasn't somebody he did. giving it to him, which is always fun. Yep. Uh, you're listening to the huddle. It's Mike Max, it's Pete Nigeri, and more, uh, plenty more to talk about when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back to the huddle, Pete Nigeria and Mike Max. Pete, um, the topic I'm about to broach is, is, is layers deep for obvious reasons, Uh-oh. but we talk about Everson Griffin and what he went through this mm-hmm. past week. Um, hmm. Before we talk about that and the impact and the concerns, one of the things that was, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep on this, but, but you know, as I talk to people, um, that, uh, you know, law enforcement and people that were, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there uh, on the scene from the, uh, uh, you know, the SWAT team to, to police mm-hmm. to negotiators and all those things. And after they had um, successfully uh, got his, uh, his wife and children out of the house and they knew that it was just Everson and Everson had guns, uh, it became a very fluid, difficult situation, which is why it took mm-hmm. a long time. But can you imagine, uh, Pete, if, if you're in that scenario where you're a police officer or a SWAT, uh, person on the SWAT team, and you have to make a decision now, whenever Sir Griffin's in there, uh, do we try to de-escalate this situation um, and take action, or do we wait him out, uh, knowing that you know he could do harm to himself uh, if, if we allow this to go on too long as well? Can you imagine how difficult that is to be in that situation for all parties? No, especially because it, it, it's obviously real life. It's you know, real we've, life we've, in real time, yeah, you know? Real time, yeah, because, uh, you know, we watch movies like The Negotiator yeah. and, and, and other others out there that where there are scenarios like this. But that's, you know, we all hopefully know that that's just a movie or a show. It's it's incredible to me, Maxie. I uh, I can't imagine being in that position. Uh, they're trained to do that, though, and they're they do an do excellent but, but job. But what, yep. Hypothetically, what's going through their mm-hmm. mind is, what mm-hmm. if what if Everson fires on us? You know, I mean, all these things you have to think right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And he could. Uh, you know, the, the reality is he's – and the fact that he's already had a little bit of a history, uh, you know, they, they have right. a, I mean, an yeah. understanding. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't brand new for him. So that I think in some ways that kind of probably prepared the group that was dealing yes. with him and trying to figure this out and negotiate and and all of that, because, uh, you know, obviously this is a very difficult situation. Oh. And, and there's there's so many layers, as you said, to this whole storyline. And it's it's difficult. And, you know, it's it really is sad because he, yep. he's he's, you know, from a football perspective, I. I love that he's been able to come back and he's back here with Minnesota and he seems like he's, he's, he's loving what he's doing and he's, he's attacking every single play and he's doing all those things. 
and you just feel bad that he, you know, the, the, this is something that he's having such difficulty with tackling yeah. this terrible issue with mental health, which is, and it's bigger, Maxie, than people think. Oh, um, boy, is it. I, 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 yeah, it, it, it stretches out a lot of arms and legs across uh, every team's got got guys on there who have some sort of issues. Now, if they if they're able to 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 take care of that with medicine and different types of things that they've got to do. That's fantastic, but it doesn't always work, and it makes it really difficult. And we're talking about, on top of everything else, we're talking about fairly big, intimidating individuals. Forget the gun. Uh, you know, oh, Everson boy. Griffiths. Uh, I mean, you, you know, know when, <laughs> three years ago when this happened, and, and, and they, you mm-hmm. know, Everson, you remember, he, he got hit out of uh, an ambulance yeah. that was trying to take him away. Yeah. And now you're talking and about it, a 280-pound man that you're trying to get back in. Big, strong, aggressive, uh, you know, all very positive qualities. I mean that in, in a strong field, way. Yep. But, but oh, my goodness, yeah, with all of that. And then to, to, to break out of that ambulance and, and, you know, run off into the distance and yeah. all the different, you know, that it really does, uh, you know, it's, and I think there is an extra layer when you talk about size and strength and then added fear for the people that are having to deal with this situation. It's one thing. If you and I are there and we're the, the paramedics or, or whatever, uh, Maxie, and it's somebody who's 5'7 and 165 pounds, I think you and I are probably, we could probably, you know, figure out That's things. right. And, and all your decisions are therefore different, right? Yeah. Yeah. But this is a big, big man, huge and, human and, being and, and who's strong. Know, and and the- <laughs> I'll throw another piece into this because I think this happens every time now that people are called out in situations like this is – you know, there, there's all these protocol for, you know, don't fire until fired upon, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a city that is the apex of unrest, and, and we know how quickly people can react to situations. So how you handle it matters a lot. And, and, yeah. and the perception of law enforcement, uh, whether they fire upon or not, matters a lot in how you calculate what you're doing next. And I and I'll, I'll even say this, Maxie. I think that there's a responsibility of the NFL to reach out because Everson Griffith is not the only guy who's got some sort of mental health yep. issues. And and but he's obviously he, because of who he is, his colorful personality, and all of the things. Because he's a really intellectual guy. Sure. And I know you know that because you're around the yeah, Vikings and, and more I than see I am. Him but, and he, you know, he married a young lady from here. He's he's invested mm-hmm. himself in this community. I, I ran him this summer. We had a a nice long visit, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and when he's on, he's on. Well, you know, these, you know, uh, obviously um, uh, you and I aren't qualified necessarily to diagnose, but you know right. these guys, Pete, when they're on, they're on, and when they're down, mm-hmm. they're down. Yeah, yeah that, that it's that's really well said because that is so true. And in and, and Everson's, you know, situation, I hope the NFL is smart enough that, that this doesn't just, this is not something that a Band-Aid is put on it for him. This is something where I think the NFL has the responsibility that they need to, monitor him now but also monitor him into the future when he's away from football when he's away from the vikings yes whatever he might be doing there is the big question i think that's Mm -hmm. being pondered right now and you know quite frankly at some point in time probably sooner than later his career is going to end and then what happens to everson we'll we'll talk about it more uh, down the road we come back sean Mm -hmm. salisbury will join us he'll break down today's game Kirk Cousins and the impact this can have on the locker room when we return on the huddle. Minnesota, currently sunny and 34 degrees. Welcome back to the huddle. Joining us now, former Minnesota Viking NFL veteran quarterback, Sean Salisbury. Sean, how are you? 
Gentlemen, I'm doing great. Great to be on with you. Happy holidays. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. Now, before we'll get into the game and a little bit with the Vikings here, but uh, Pete and I were just talking about in the last segment, and I don't mean to start with something too heavy, but it certainly is part of the news today with Everson Griffin and what he went through in his standoff, and, and obviously mm. uh, eventually he was sequestered, and, he, and he's getting the help that he needs. Uh, Sean, how does something like an event like that affect an NFL locker room uh, during the week when your friend and your teammate uh, isn't in there one day for, for all reasons that people are concerned about? Well, one is you know you have a job to do, but life trumps any job you have. And I would imagine teammates that he's close to or that are close to him, and there's quite a few of them, uh, if they know the things he's been going through. And, and that's why I'm always – uh, very cognizant to be kind to people because any of us that have hit whatever our rock bottom is, and it may be different than Everson's and it may be different than somebody else's, but everybody's going through something and it's nothing to laugh at, whether it's uh, with mental health or struggles. And it sure puts perspective on in football, but you also know it's your career and it's your job. So the effect it has is your, you know, you know, you got to play a game, but you're also thinking about your, your teammate, your friend, a guy who, this is a life situation, meaning, you know, this is you're talking about. This is this is something that further football was the farthest thing from his mind this past week. And I'm sure quite a few coaches and fans and teammates as well. So while your thoughts and prayers are with him and that, you know, before the game, you go do your job. You, you, when it's done, you go back and you do whatever you can to, to put your arm around him, to be a good listening ear. And we have two ears and one mouth. And a lot of times we need to use them more accordingly and. He's obviously going through whatever difficult times he is, so to be a good listener. But, you know, the, the game's not going to get canceled, so you have to go play it because it's your job. But it adds a tremendous amount of perspective that we should probably have anyway, not just for athletes, but for anybody, the, the person sitting next to you, the person at the grocery store, the person playing sports, the person at the job, and realize that everybody goes through something and Everson's going through a very, very difficult time. Pete? That's really well said, Sean. Thank you. That that that's awesome. I'll tell you what. One one thing people probably don't know is you and I actually at one point in time our paths crossed. We were in Seattle together, but you wouldn't really? remember exactly me because right. well, dang it, Pete. It was, Every time we bring somebody in, there, no. you played with them well, against them somewhere. Yeah, you know, you know why, Maxie? I'm terrible. Seattle. Yes. <laughs> well, you actually, I started your career, and I I started my 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 trip around the country um, having a cup of coffee with different teams. But uh, I, I tell you what, I loved I loved Ground Chuck. He was, he was a great coach, and he was nice enough. I actually walked into his room, Maxie and Sean. I walked into his room, and I said, look, coach, I'm, I'm laying in bed at night. There's no way I'm going to make this team. Can you cut me? And he looked at me, and he goes, nobody's ever asked to do that before. I said, well, I'd love for you to cut me. I really would. <laughs> and so he did, and I got on with the Vikings, wow. and it kind of ex- it extended things for me. But um, on that, that side of things, i got to tell you, Sean, you, I've, I've watched and loved what you've been able to do throughout your career and as an analyst and, how, and what you do with all of that. It, it's phenomenal. What do you think right now about Kirk Cousins? Because he's under so much pressure here in Minnesota. Everybody's always on what Kirk's done, and he's not this, he's not that. But including last week, Kirk went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers and – Basically, they had almost identical numbers and, and incredible numbers. What do you think about Kirk Cousins right now, and where do you rate him in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, Pete, great point. I'll, I'll, real quick, and yeah, I do remember. I, I don't remember uh, a lot of the picks or touchdowns I threw because there wasn't many, but I remember teammates. And Pete, and Pete is exactly right. Chuck Knox 
every every player should have the opportunity to play have, have been coached by Chuck Knox. I Pete and I could probably share stories forever from our dash to cash in the preseason where they're giving out money. Boy, have times changed. But Chuck Knox, one of the all-time greats, and what an honor it was to play. And I've had great teammates, so I do remember and. It's uh, how ironic from Seattle, then Pete plays in Minnesota as well as I did. But um, you know what, for Cousins, Pete, I, I think he's having, in my mind, watching him, forget the numbers, and the numbers are good, because he's always put up numbers. I think Cousins is playing, is having his underrated when people on the national scale, because I think people are waiting for something that go wrong in a clutch situation, right? He's been good on the road, yep. and they've had their moments where the Vikings haven't been able to close, but they're getting better. And they go, you know, going on the road has been a, they've been really good. And then defending themselves at home last week, which was huge for him. Not only did he go toe to toe, I can make the argument he played better because they won. So mm-hmm. I, and I've been critical of him in the past and saying, I don't know if he can win a Super Bowl because I'm waiting for him to do this when everything else is going to hell in a handbasket, basket where the great ones like Brady and Rodgers and Mahomes take their team to another, another level and overcome in spite of what's going on around him. But I stand up and I'll, I'll stand on a table and raise my hand that Kirk Cousins has taken it to another level this year. They're not, they're not winning in spite of him. They're winning because of him and a bunch of other players, not just him. And I think he's done – when they lose games, Cousins has kept them in it for the most mm-hmm. part. I think he's having an underrated great season. And I think that Pete and, and Mike, the reason people are waiting, not only I said for it to fall off, I think the one thing that will elevate him to another level is that guy who can make the jump shot in you know in the, in the NBA finals or who can make the tackle when it matters who makes that throw in January we saw him do it against the Saints a couple of years ago but to extend it and get them deep because we know he's going to put up numbers if he can do that in January win a couple games I think that takes him over the top because we're waiting he's got everything you want numbers and he and he stands by his beliefs whatever they're whether you agree with them or not and he's been great for this team this year and I think Cousins is quietly having, and maybe it's louder there than it is nationwide, but I've watched every single game and every throw he's made this year, and I've been overly impressed. For him to convince the naysayers it's going to have to be in January or games like this or what he did last week with Aaron and sustain it because I think he deserves more respect than he's been given. But a lot of that is we, we judge our quarterbacks by February wins and by January wins, and uh, Cousins gets a few more of those. We may be speaking about him different, and I hope so because he's been really, really good this year. Sean Salisbury is our guest. Sean, you're Mike Zimmer. You know you're in the, in the last year of a contract. In essence, you got seven games to the finish line. You you have a completely now redone on the fly defensive line. You've played last possession games. Every, all ten games have been you know in the fourth quarter decided. How does he, as a coach, get this team? to the playoffs, what's the most important thing that a head coach can bring to this party right now? Is to not play to lose. I mean, play not to lose, but to play to win. It's easy at this point in time to get a little cute. I'm not saying Mike will, but to protect when you, when you, you know, in the fourth quarter, well, it's a close game. Let's do, let, let, let's play not to lose. I love aggressive teams. Tom Moore, the great Tom Moore, who coached us in Minnesota, our offensive staff, and he's coached Peyton Manning, been in the league 80 years and been killing it. I'm a little facetious, but Tom, he always told us, don't play scared, just don't play stupid. And that means cut it loose when it's there, let it go. And, you know, part of being a great coach is to make sure, and a scouting department is to give you backups 
that can close the gap between the starters. But when they're out there, you, your expectations. Don't put the expectations on a backup or a revamp line that we're not good enough, so we've got to protect them. No, that's their job. They, they pick up a paycheck just like the rest of the guys do, and that's why they're in the league. And if you're offensively, you keep, taking, you keep protecting the ball and you stay aggressive. That guy in the, that's in the backfield, Dalvin Cook's pretty good. I have a problem getting, leaning on him. But to play as if every single game is single elimination, what they're proving to themselves, though, Mike and, and Pete, is that they can stay in close games. And hopefully throughout the time they'll have a three-touchdown lead and win. But I love teams that almost have to play on edge. I've seen it in the past, teams that were, you know, had to win games five or six in a row to get in. I'm okay with that because then you're actually battle-tested for the uh, – when I train quarterbacks, I put them under as much duress as possible. The Vikings have been under a lot of duress, and Mike can't be playing – and I know it is the contract. Mike's got a coach, just like I know he will, not coaching for a contract extension. That will come with wins. Coaching to go win, and if that means every single time you approach your team it's single elimination, that's okay. These guys are pros. They know how to take it, and if they don't, then they, then they, then they won't show up. But – I have a hunch Michael coaches ass off, and I fully believe that if they play to win and play not to lose, which is easy to do, that the, that the Vikings are going to be fine. They're playing good football right now, and they're going to give the 49ers all that the 49ers can handle. The Vikings, quite frankly, considering their roster and where they are with the explosiveness, I, I know they're underdogs, but even though they're going on the road, I like them in this football game. Sean, how, speak to us a little bit about the trust factor that a quarterback has to have, and I think we're seeing that right in front of our very eyes with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson because the last couple of weeks he's been throwing the ball when he's covered and allowing him to go up and make sure he gets the ball away from the DB and comes down with it and gets touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, unreal receiver. It's understandable, but talk about that trust you've got to have with those receivers because you're throwing basically a ball that could get picked, but you're willing to do it because you know your receiver is going to take that ball away. Yeah, Pete, it becomes, you know how we always call it 50-50 balls, but if you got guys like we did with Chris Carter or when I was in Seattle, when I was a rookie with Steve Largent there, those weren't 50-50 balls. Those were balls that our guy was going to win. And we had it in Seattle, and I said it to somebody, I said it earlier this week in Seattle, I said, I mean in Minnesota on a show, I said, you know what? It, it was Steve Largent was simply a 70-Y option on third and five. It, it was throw it to number 80, which was Largent. And we did that with number 80 in Minnesota with Chris Carter. And this Jefferson, while he's not Randy Moss yet, guys, but I'm going to tell you, he's a, he, with all that skill set, there's a tendency as a route runner, as, as a superstar receiver, to rely on the physical side and not polish what you do, the, the routes. This kid is polished. He's a finisher, superstar receiver, to rely on the physical side and not polish what you do, the, the routes. This kid is polished. He's a finisher. And you're right, Pete, as a quarterback, and we've all had that guy, whether it's Troy Aikman with Novacek or Mike Irvin or these guys. Everybody has that guy they lean on that says, listen, even if there's a second guy in the neighborhood, if we don't get it, they're not. And I think right now, I mean, come on now. If you're Kirk Cousins, and that goes back to don't play scared, just don't play stupid. If you've got him single covered, take your shots. Go for it. They're dumb enough to play in man. Take your shots. And if you're smart enough and you get it out on time and throw people open, even if there's a guy in the neighborhood without throwing it where three guys are in front, Jefferson's going to give you a great chance to win. So 
there Pete, that trust factor. It's like the quarterback in the pocket trusting the five guys that when a guy flashes, the back's going to knock him away from you in the pocket, that the center's going to do or the guard's going to dual read and get to his guy, and you've got to trust it. Same thing here. And right now I can't imagine across the league that there's five quarterbacks who trust their star as much as Cousins uh, trust Jefferson. It's not fake trust. It's real because every week they're proving it, Jefferson is. And I think Cousins is tr- players trust in Cousins to make that right throw under duress at the right time is starting to come to fruition. And sometimes it happens five years into the league, and sometimes for a player or a grouping it happens a dozen years into the league. And it's a good time for it to happen now because heading into December, it's going to be very, very important that those two continue this onslaught. All right, Sean, one last question along those lines, and it, it continues a theme Pete, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Odell Beckham Jr.'s uh, mother is from Wyndham, Minnesota. We've <laughs> we've wow. had two, no, two guests on from Wyndham the last two weeks, right? And and, and uh, one's the the chief revenue I'm officer. I'm not from Wyndham. No, Sean's not from Wyndham. But we've had two guests from Wyndham, and then Beckham gets traded, of course, to the Rams. And uh, <laughs> excuse me, his mother has texted with back and forth when he was in town with Cleveland. The Rams could be a factor for the Vikings going to the playoffs. Certainly a factor a day playing the Packers. Can Beckham, can you have that trust with him when he shows up uh, for the, the rest of the season? Because this could play in, this could have an effect on the Viking status. Can, can he be a difference maker for the Rams, or does it take too long to build that trust, Sean? I don't think it does. I mean, especially on the routes, it doesn't. A curl's a curl. A dig's a dig. It's Stafford believing that he's going to win. And and there are certain routes, whether it's option routes that come into play or formations lining up, make sure that as you go on two and three weeks into it, today is going to be big. They, they need him. We already know how good Cooper Cup is. And here's, here's what Matt Stafford's got to guard against, though, Mike and Pete, is mm-hmm. and oh, Be- Beckham's a very, very alpha guy. When he walks into town, it's like, do I got I, I, I to get him the ball? We did this with AC, and that was a different way because AC just, when we give Anthony Carter the ball early in a game, he exploded. So we wanted to get him involved, whether it's a hitch screen, a, a, a jet sweep, and then AC go haywire. I think with Beckham, it doesn't have to be a big home run. Get the, get the ball in his hands and let him do something with it after the catch. You can't teach speed, and he's got that. But Stafford's got a guard against trying to force that there. But when they're single coverage, take your chances, man. Take your shots. And, and I, I, the rhythm that starts to build, we know how good Beckham is, but that rhythm's going to come with completions without forcing them. So, yeah, he can be a difference maker because he has the ability on an 8-yard, 12-yard slant route to take it the distance without forcing it there. The truth is Stafford just needs to go through progressions to get it to the right guy. But when they're single coverage, uh, you've you got to get Beck, Beckham involved early because you don't want a guy to pout and disappear late in the fourth quarter. It's going to be a minute. But I think on certain packages, Matt Stafford will know that Beckham can win. And if they're going to get where they want to go, he is going to have to be a factor. Sean, great stuff. Appreciate it. And great to reconnect with you. Really you appreciate it, awesome. Sean. Mike, Thanks, thank man. You, Peter. Pete, stay in touch, brother. It's always good to catch Absolutely. up with you. You guys keep it up. All right, you guys. Bet. Thanks, Sean man. Salisbury, nice enough to join us. We'll wrap up this edition of The Huddle when we come back. Welcome back to the huddle. What a show we've had today. Holy cow. Pete Nigeria, there are a number of uh, openings for coaches in college football. Jerry Kill, who we just had on a couple weeks ago, going to take the job at New Mexico State. 
and I say congratulations, and I go, oh, please be safe, you know? Uh, yeah, Obviously, when absolutely. he takes that, that step, it says something about him when you can be 60 years old and have a, a medical history and still have somebody that wants to uh, have you have you lead their uh, young men in the program. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of openings out there, and, and I thought, I really thought, that after we came through COVID, that one of the areas that you'd see at first was you'd see reduced salaries for power uh, football and basketball coaches in the Power Five conferences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not only are we not seeing it, I'm, I'm looking at this going, my God, you know, PJ might be underpaid, you know? He, you know, uh, he, he actually is. <laughs> I, I know. If you, if, you, if you do the math and you look at, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yep, you look around the, the the Big Ten and you see Michigan State. Now, let's be honest; th- those are all bigger stadiums. They fill those stadiums, and and there's a lot of money generated. There's no doubt about it. Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, all those schools. But to have uh, you know, Michigan State, they wrapped up that coach almost immediately, right? Uh, uh, he's it's a short term, and they it's not a a big long list of what they've been able to analyze. But they no. they made the decision. They're no, committed. I looked at that and said, "Hang on, guys. I think Michigan, yeah. too, you know." I'm not so sure that you didn't have magic this year, but I, I mean, they know more than I do, but that's a big number. That is a big number. And the Penn state number, I think they've liked James Franklin for a long time. Yeah. He's done an outstanding job there this year. I thought they didn't look like the Penn state teams of the past, but yeah. uh, that can happen. And they lost a quarterback. So it makes some sense, Maxie. But when I look out there and I see USC, uh, they don't have a head coach. Uh, I look at LSU, yep. no head coach. They fired him. Florida, that guy's gone. That's open. Uh, you mentioned TCU. There's Virginia Tech. There's Washington. These are big programs, monstrous programs, some of them with great history. And, yep. and the fact that those are all open, there's going to be some moving around here. And uh, obviously they're going to they're gonna go back and forth with some of the guys who've been fired or are going to get picked up other places. But if, if they don't, they'll just go to Alabama and be with Coach because he just brings yeah, in every old yeah, former yeah. coach Come that gets fired. Come on in for a year, you know. We'll steal <laughs> yeah. some of your ideas, then you can go get a head job and we'll all be happy, yeah. It's just amazing. And I even saw Maxie where, where Skip Holtz actually does, he's not going to return to Louisiana Tech. And, uh, you know, Skip, we've known him forever, obviously Lou's son and great coach. He's been a lot of different places, but uh, it sounds like he's decided that on his decision to actually step away. So a lot of openings out there. It's it's stunning to me. But you know, like you said, it's the dollars that are the most stunning. The dollars. Uh, and, 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 and it tells oh, you, I mean, I assume that, that somebody mm-hmm. knows, right, that this makes sense for our university based upon the revenue mm-hmm. against it. Uh, and I think that's where we get caught up in number. You know, the truth is, uh, Pete, and we could have a long philosophical discussion, and one day we will, uh, you could make a case that football coaches are underpaid relative mm-hmm. to the revenue that they bring into a school and that there are many non-revenue sports that are overpaid based on the revenue they yep. bring into a school. If you use, I mean, that's the algorithm we use on the open market in business, right? Right, yeah. And if you're just looking at those numbers, and I'll throw out one more for you, Maxie. Uh, when my daughter was coming out of high school in, in New Canaan, Connecticut, and she was looking at schools, one of the schools she liked was Alabama. Yeah. And I took a look at Alabama. I looked at their football record and all the rest of it. And here, here's the interesting stat that I think gets lost by a lot of people. So he gets paid a lot of money down there. Saban, Saban, Saban makes a lot of money. We all understand that. But it's probably not even close to enough. And here's why. When you've got a great program that goes somewhere within that college playoff every single year, yep. people are drawn to that university. And I know the numbers when Lex was coming out. The numbers are incredible in terms of the amount of students that are applying to go to that school. Yes. And then they just pick that up. So that's that's uh, yep. one more element to this and, whole thing as I well. I was told by someone whose son went to Alabama 
that they've uh-huh. got a policy down there on game day where the ancillary revenue outside the stadium goes towards uh, a huge percentage of it goes towards trying to recruit the greatest faculty in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, think about that. I mean, how can you argue that, right? If, if, if you're right. spending your money off the football program to get the best possible faculty, um, that's a pretty strong case to be made. Yeah, that, that and it is, it's very, very impressive. One last thing, and I know we yeah. got to get going here, but uh, how about St. John's? They had a great yeah, season, unfortunately, yep. lost yesterday to Linfield, yep, but they uh, another Oregon, great yep, season. Linfield, Oregon, but 11 and 1, and we had uh, uh, Gary Foschkin earlier this week. He had to overcome COVID just to, you know, just to get out there and coach, so it was a tough week for mm-hmm. him as well. Hey, Pete, always yep. a great week. Great being with you. We'll do it again next week. Look forward to it. Take care. You bet. Pete Nigerian and the huddle. Coming to you each and every Sunday. Next week, we'll do it again. And the only thing I know is we don't know exactly who will be on, but we know it's going to be fun. That's what we do because we're News Talk 830, the beak. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.